Studio S M L. Welcome to the Studio SML podcast. In this series of candid conversations, we talk to some of the most established architects and designers in Singapore about how they got to where they are today. Hear about their personal journeys and the highs and lows of running a design practice in Singapore. Enjoy the rest of this podcast. As an architectural conservation specialist consultancy, husband and wife founders Ho Wing Hin and Tan Kalin of Studio Lapis peel away layer by layer of heritage structures to unravel the rich and colorful histories buried within. And to recreate the lost tales, Studio Lapis does not only apply multidisciplinary knowledge, but also creativity and imagination that persuades towards cause for preserving heritage. Elaine Chan finds out what it takes to be an architectural conservation specialist in Singapore. Hello, Winghin and Talin. Thank you so much for your time. Did you always wanted to become heritage conservation specialist? Uh, and why did you become one? How how do we go on to this path? Is it? Um, yeah. We had our beginnings uh, doing heritage advocacy work, really, uh, during our under- undergraduate days. Mm-hmm. Mm, we, we became um, student members of Singapore Heritage Society. Right. And uh, uh, while, while I was interning with uh, William Lim Associates. Right. So as you know, William Lim is uh, the founding president right. of SHS. Yes. And uh, uh, it was quite an eye-opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, he allowed the interns to uh, sit in some of the meetings and uh, for for me, I could see that it's a very interesting arena uh, outside of normal office uh, uh, design work in the office to participate in. Right. Yeah. So we could, I mean, I, I could really see that uh, uh, how... Uh, civil society could mm-hmm. play a role in determining the outcome of uh, you know uh, uh, the, the, the urban environment and also the uh, uh, heritage conservation right yeah and what about Carlin? Mm, at the time it was actually our year out Right. So that's the that's like a gap year where we right. um intern at, at firms. So mm. after work a few of us from the same batch of uh, architecture school mm-hmm. would gather um at a restaurant mm-hmm. in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. So we would discuss about her- heritage issues. Okay. At the time there was a controversy about um STB trying to thematize Chinatown. Mm. Mm. So, so one of our friends was uh, being a, a Chinatown boy. He was quite riled up, and so so it became a very informal. It started from a very informal chit chat session, and we, right. we we called this uh, yada yada sessions. <laughs> so it was just pure talk. Right, right. <laughs> but gradually, it became a bit more structured. Mm-hmm. I started taking minutes. Mm-hmm. And we started attending forums and writing uh, to the press and 
and okay. writing to Singapore Architect and, right. and joining uh, SHS as uh, Wing Hin mentioned. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess at the time it was, uh, th there's a very strong sense of frustration yep. because of this imbalance in power. Mm. You, you, you feel that you cannot challenge the technical reasons that are presented by the authorities. Mm. So I guess that was uh, one very strong um, imperative to, mm. you know, become the expert yourself. Mm. Right, right. So that was the beginning of the journey. And, yes. you know, how did it um, evolve into you doing this full-time as a career and, you know, professionally? Can you share that um, experience? Mm, well, uh, I mean, from, from, from this early exposure, um, mm. we realized that the uh, heritage as a, as a field is, is really quite different. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we were really more interested in how the urban environment uh, can actually, uh, you know, uh, accommodate uh, historic landscapes. And, and you know retain its characteristic while uh, still uh, uh, continuing to progress and evolve. Um, so so uh, after graduation, um, I did not uh, join the architecture firm, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, I did a stint of uh, research at the university right. uh, into architectural history mm -hmm. um, under this uh, professor Y.C. Wong. Mm -hmm. uh, I was researching into the uh, architectural heritage of uh, the public works department uh, in the colonial era. Mm. So, so that, that is already one foot into a more serious, uh, I suppose, uh, academic engagement with right. um, architectural history. Yeah, right. So, so that, that was my, my right. second step. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. subsequently, uh, we... Uh, I mean, Carlin was doing. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was doing following the um, the masters in architecture. I I, mm. I did a masters uh, in research mm. um, on architectural history. So my my thesis topic uh, was on the world's amusement parks. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my interest was uh, really in 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 this uh, urban entertainment <laughs> and programming and you know the right. the underbelly of Singapore's <laughs> architectural history. <laughs> right, right. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you took the academic. Can I? Can I? Is it correct to say that um, you took a little bit of that academic route as well to um, developing that career path? Yeah. Actually, it wasn't really that that conscious as in that we, we mm. saw it as a career path. We were following, mm. you know, uh, as our interest in in the field uh, intensified. Mm -hmm. And also, as I, I guess, our eyes were open to, to these other aspects of uh, architecture and the built environment. Right. Uh, it, we just got deeper and deeper into the the field because mm. uh, from from early uh, NGO related work, right, um, mm. to to doing a stint, uh, in 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 architectural history research, it it, it kind of helped to tune our eyeballs, mm -hmm. uh, in a different way, um. Mm -hmm. We still, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, appreciate architectural design and all that, you know. But uh, we we are now we found that we actually can look at it from different lens, right? Um, and and that those two two years also we were involved in various things, yeah. Um, such, such as, as 
I think we were editors. our modern past. Yeah, we we started to work on our modern past, mm. uh, which again is a SHS initiative project, mm -hmm. and and that became a ten year long journey uh, for for both of us and also uh, a, a good friend, uh, mm. two two good Dinesh Naidu, mm. yeah, Dinesh Naidu and Jeremy Sun. Um, and, and four of us uh, really embarked on this uh, amazing uh, journey uh, during our youth, you know, to 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 hunt down, to track down uh, whether those wonderful uh, modernist buildings we see in old magazines are still standing or not. Wow, ten yeah. years not a short period of time. Yeah, it's it's definitely <laughs> the best years of our youth, I'll say. <laughs> and and it went on uh, during the uh, when. Uh, I went to Italy to pursue a postgraduate uh, course in uh, architectural conservation. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, I guess uh, uh, these few things converge, you know, um, and 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 then we we I made a I mean we made a call to say let's do it professionally. Mm -hmm. Um. We we have to really get. Uh, I mean, I I decided to get formal pick up formal uh, training in mm. architectural conservation. Mm. Yeah. At the at the mm. postgraduate. Uh, Level. Can you both um, share a little bit about that um, project that, you know, the definitive project hmm. uh, that took up 10 years of your um, life? I think I have to clarify that uh, 10 years is uh, like not, not full-time 10 years. In between, like life happens, studies happen. So you started the project as students? Um, no, we were already uh, we were already graduate young graduates. Uh, okay, we so are doing after your first like degree, a, yes. Uh, no, no. Af after the master degree, oh, okay. Uh, while while we uh we, uh we were at the university, right. So it was quite a, a part time uh, yeah. uh research and writing engagement. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, slowly as the scope of the project, uh, it started off with a brief, a very simple brief, uh, 30 buildings. Right. Uh, um, there was a previous uh, writer that SHS engaged um, who didn't continue with the project. So we came mm. in and mm. we decided to, as our research went on, we decided to that 30 buildings will not do justice to the importance of this project. Mm. So we, we started to uh, uh, re reconceptualize the books. Mm. Um, uh, to encompass the the range and the complexity of uh the topic of modern, modern architectural heritage in Singapore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So 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 I uh it, it was actually a very uh. I would say, uh, uh quite a quite a, fun process. I mean, because we were driving around Singapore, <sighs> and uh, all we had were, uh, photocopied photographs of, of the buildings as uh, they were just built, uh, completed right. in, in many years ago. Right. And we were trying very hard to decipher if, if uh, you know, these are still remains. Right. right. So, so the, the field were actually, uh, uh, by, by trying to comb the yeah. island, uh, really yeah. took up a lot of time. And uh, of course, uh, our dear uh, Jeremy, uh, he took uh, tens of thousands of photos. Right. Uh, once we selected the, the, the buildings that we thought uh, should be featured in the book. And, and right. again, the selection process for that uh, took, took some time as well. Yeah. Were the photos taken first or um, were they taken after you have picked the buildings to feature in the book? 
there were a few rounds. Mm. So we would go on what we call recce trips. These yeah. are the recce trips and we will plan them out. Like, you know, one day we'll do Bukit Timah area. Right. Another day we'll do Selita area. So on these recce trips, right. we will all take photos, okay. including Jeremy. Right. Yeah. So and ah, and I then see. we'll yeah. So it, it, it's it's quite a messy process, I would say. And sometimes we, we when we pass by a building that um, that looks um, suspiciously like modern heritage, but which we are not <laughs> even sure, we'll just stop and you know take photo yeah. first and go back and research right. later. Mm, yeah. yeah. So it was a, I, I would say it was very intensive field work and right. research um, experience that and and built up a very good uh, database and help to tune our eyeballs. Right. I assume you didn't have a database to work with at the, at the beginning, right? So you actually built that database? Yes, we, we were building it up um, mm -hmm. and we amassed a lot of uh, research information. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it came in uh, very uh, useful during the, the writing uh, of the book mm -hmm. uh, as well as you know, uh, trying to conceptualize how to present these uh, buildings. Right, right. In a way, the database um, was built up concurrently um, as I was doing my second master's mm -hmm. and I was doing my own um, urban historical research and, and right. at, at the same time, Wing Hin was a research assistant to a, a project uh, under NUS, uh, right. Prof, Prof YC Wong, right. on the PWD architectural heritage. Right. So throughout yeah. that 10-year period, you were doing um, various things, both of you, right? Yes. Doing various mm, kind yeah. of works. What yeah, kind it of was work? our boho period. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of work um, did you do primarily, you know, uh, say to make a living? We edited, co-edited Singapore Architect magazine. Right. Yeah, uh, we, we did it uh, actually over the span of two years uh, right. while I was pursuing uh, the, the postgraduate course. Mm. Uh, so thanks to internet, email, uh, mm. we could still do that. Uh, we, we coordinated a team mm -hmm. uh, who also based in Singapore, a team of translators, uh, writers, and, and of course Jeremy was the photographer for the, uh, during our editorship. Mm. So, so that, that kind of sustained our engagement with the local design scene as well as uh, provided a, you know, uh, a source of income. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I, I think it's more of really uh, uh, freelance work, I would mm. say, um, mm. that, that got us along. Um, right. I, I would I actually uh, like to add, uh, um, sure. the book took 10 years. Uh, I mean, it was started in 2004. Yep. Uh, and it was published in 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, but by 2009, uh, we already established Studio Lapis mm. uh, after my uh, graduate studies co uh, was completed. Mm -hmm. I, I finished it in 2008. Mm. So uh, that one was already five years into Studio Lapis. We managed to get a book out. Yeah. Wow. Along the way, yeah. there were also uh, other issues like funding and, 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 and you know, book design and... Mm. and sponsorship and things like that that kind of uh, uh, lengthen the gestation process. Yeah. Right. When you first started in the field, um, I assume, would it be right to assume that uh, there weren't that many people doing the kind of work that you specialised in, in Singapore? Yes, you can count them with one, one finger. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's only, that means one. <laughs> there's only us and uh, uh -huh. an Amer American uh, consultant uh -huh. uh, Garth Sheldon, um, he, he was uh, 
kind of a, a monopoly monopoly uh, in in Singapore. Right. Um, okay. And maybe not in monopoly, but I think he because you you can see that uh, architectural heritage conservation as a specialized discipline mm. uh, in the early days. Uh, mm. When I say early days, means maybe uh, 80s to 90s uh, mm -hmm. onwards. Mm -hmm. uh, was really uh, quite, uh, I would say, in its infancy. Yeah. Mm. Uh, mm. And, and even when, when uh, this uh, consultant was active, uh, it was not, I think, automatically assumed that a conservation consultant is required for a heritage project. Right. Yeah. Um, so we, I mean, the way we understood it, it evolved really quite slowly. Uh, of course, in the in the midst of it, uh, as uh, URA started uh, its conservation, you know, uh, journey. Yeah. Um, they also flew in um, overseas consultants, mm -hmm. like uh, Didier Rappelan, right, mm -hmm. a French expert, uh, to advise on uh, projects like the uh, uh, Asian Civilization Museum. Or Empress Place Museum and mm -hmm. and this uh, Chinese later on, uh -huh. yeah. but it's really you know few and far in between. I would say such a, a kind of a, it's not a mainstay kind of work. You know, uh, the, right. the 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 work itself is not well defined, right. and definitely the the opportunity isn't really there yet. Yeah. So right. so most most of the architecture firm will undertake, uh, so called uh, conservation projects, but, I suppose the. The attitude uh, or the uh, towards conservation in those days were also again uh, quite uh, uh, in its early days, right? Mm -hmm. So there is really uh, possibly not, not much, much distinction between an A and A job and a conservation job, right? Uh, because you you are doing addition alteration, or are you doing a restoration and conservation, right? So so there isn't really such a distinction yet. Okay. How has that evolved? It's really hard to say because uh, I guess it's, uh, it's also at a point when uh, URA started to request for more, I suppose, uh, 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 or rather they attempted to raise the bar uh, of the conservation requirements. Uh, for example, um, in some of the government land sales project where mm -hmm. there are conserved buildings. Um, they started to uh, request uh, a certain uh, conservation uh, standards uh, may, may uh, need to be met. Right? Right. Uh, but I, I would say it isn't really uh, well mapped out like how, how the landscape changed. But mm. it certainly in, in a place like Singapore when where conservation uh, is uh, known to be uh, quite, uh, I would say, uh, it, it really uh, started right uh, as a or seen as a top-down process, mm. right? Uh, but of course, we are we are also seeing by the eighties, mm. there are Singapore Heritage Society and other groups, uh, citizen groups that um, also you know enter into the arena. Mm -hmm. And and uh, I think together that that when that it start to have a critical mass mm -hmm. of interest, uh, mm -hmm. then things started to happen. Yeah, but uh, I would say when we came back from, uh, in in the early two thousands or or the uh, uh no two thousand eight. Yeah. The. 
the playing field isn't really that developed actually it, it seems to be still mm. I, I think probably somebody need to um, write out a more detailed history of how mm. um, architectural conservation developed mm. in Singapore mm. The the I mean from the from the scraps and bits that we gathered mm. there was a there was a period in the in the 80s, 90s, when there was an there was a surge in interest, mm. and when URA even took on their own conservation projects, right. and they flew in um, European experts and trained up local builders. Right. Um, but somehow the the interest in the technical aspect of it um, petered off, mm. and um, at at the point when we returned, mm. it was uh, the I think a lot of the emphasis was. On like, you know the the design, uh, mm. the facade design mm. uh, restoration. So like, what do you keep? What do you not keep? And mm. um, what is the design of this window? The design of the elevation that you should restore to. Right. So, uh, in in a way, we, um, I mean, our first projects were were like um, very tiny scopes that involve solving technical difficulties. Mm. Right. So I, I think at the point there was also a loss of the um, craftsmanship and 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 construction technical knowledge, technical mm. knowledge yeah. Technical know-how, yeah. Yeah. So 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 people have like lost the the skills to say restore Shanghai plaster. Right. Yeah. So that was actually like you know our first so one of our first, first uh, yeah. assignment. Yeah. What was your first assignment um, in more detail? It's the old Victoria School, uh, which uh, right. now houses yeah. the People Association headquarters. Uh -huh. um, and uh, we were helping the contractors um, to uh, come up with a satisfactory way to restore the Shanghai plaster finish. Um, mm. And they couldn't uh, actually uh, get past, uh, you know, get, get, get to complete the project uh, because they kept, kept getting rejected uh, oh, okay. due to the workmanship. Right. So uh, it just so happens uh, my graduation thesis in Italy was on the... Uh, Shanghai plaster um, diagnostics and and oh. uh, restoration. Okay. Uh, I studied the old Supreme Court, which at right. that time was uh, being converted to into the uh, the, the National Gallery, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So so uh, it, it uh, one of my our my friends uh, old old uh, I would say old friends uh, approached me and say that are you able to advise? Mm. Yeah. And uh, so, so I think that that really uh, started us off. Um, but it was really at the tail end. It was towards the project completion that <laughs> right. we came in, and and slowly through through the decade, uh, as our uh, projects diversified, and and mean we got to uh, be involved earlier and earlier, uh, mm. And now we we get involved uh, sometimes in feasibility study stage mm. um, uh, right before uh, even design or, or any kind of uh, development proposal is drawn up. Yeah. Okay. It, it, how important is it to be involved in, um, from the very beginning, say from the upstream? Uh, it's, it's definitely very important because right. uh, a lot of decision-making uh, uh, we feel, I mean, from a conservation uh -huh. uh, heritage viewpoint, uh, if decision making is informed by more uh, perspectives, uh, more input from various uh, disciplines, uh, it will actually uh, help to uh, shape a more balanced outcome in the end. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you 
already determined I'm going to build a four-story basement below this building. Mm. Uh, and without doing a thorough conservation investigation and evaluation of whether this is even uh, technically viable, if, if that, that could actually lead, lead the project towards a, a, a path that is quite difficult and mm. fraught with uh, uncertainty. Yeah? Mm. Um, but if, say, uh, enough is found, Mm -hmm. uh, found out about building before certain major decision is made uh, right. it definitely helped to steer the project uh, in, in uh, I would say a, a, a better uh, direction right. what is your most memorable assignment to date? memorable actually all of them are very <laughs> memorable to us because uh, no two uh, historic buildings are the same. Um, right, of course. Yeah, in a, in a way, we are like, um, we are like spokesmen for mm. the old building. So these silent walls, right? I mean, <laughs> what, what, how, how do they speak to the architects? Um, mm. So we, we study the buildings um, quite intensively, both okay. in terms of research, archival research, as well as doing field work, as in like, you know, staring at the walls, at the cracks, at the what's happening to, to it uh, materially and physically and trying to figure out the stories la, about the building and mm. trying to tell these stories to the other consultants on board, including the architects, engineers, the, the client, uh, allowing them to, to appreciate the full value mm. the, yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah. and the significance that, um, that is embodied in this building that they have on hand. Right. So that, you know, when they make design decisions mm. to... Mm. Oh, let's remove this column so we have a bigger space, mm. we, so that they know, you know, what they are doing, what what kind of heritage uh, impact mm. it has. Mm. So knowing each building is almost like, you know, knowing people. So every building has its own character, personality, difference, and has its own stories. So mm. I would say we have learned uh, a lot about about from these buildings as mm. well. So each building teaches us um, a lot more about conservation than I think we could ever learn from books. Uh. So, I, I'm, I'm quite fascinated and intrigued. So, when you look at the building, do pictures come into your mind? Like, visuals or how you visualise it to become? Or, you, you know, pictures mm, of the past? Mm. Yeah, you, you do need a, a very empathic um, kind of imagination because yeah. most of the time when we um, start on a project the building is mm. either very run down cobwebs mm. and you know mm. windows that are hoarded up and cockroaches everywhere and bed sheet on the floor <laughs> or they are renovated beyond recognition for ceiling and you know, Corin uh, Corinthian columns slapped uh, onto modernist uh, <laughs> facades and that kind of thing yeah so you, you, you do need to get behind all these um, mm. superficial appearances mm. and understand the building through your research, through, through you know, the little bits and pieces of uh, hints and, and signs that you see on the fieldwork. So we will go around like peeling off this uh, vinyl and see whether there's mosaic floor underneath. Mm. So And mm. when we make these discoveries, it sends a thrill down your spine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. mm. Mm. Yeah. And it's a bit like a forensic science. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or archaeology. Yeah, archaeology or, and forensic science. And uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, way to explain uh, what we do is, is a mixture of uh, being a 
forensic scientist or a diagnostician and an uh, advocate, you know, you, you, you really need both. Because, uh, like Kalun say, if you are the only person, uh, only team member who can make a connection mm. with the building, uh, without judging it, without prejudging it first, right? Uh, how we find by and large, and this is something I also learned in Italy, which was quite eye opening. Uh, my professor told me, uh, you are trained as an architect to make things better, to improve things, um, but we are teaching you to think like a conservator first where you do not uh, jump to conclusions before you understand what you are looking at and what you're experiencing it, you know. Right. And, and that was quite uh, eye-opening uh, and right. because uh, many, I think, don't really make that distinction. Mm. And once you make the distinction, you can actually see all kinds of conf conflicts mm. uh, and potential issues that arise because you sometimes will uh, be more favourable towards uh, thinking like a conservator Right. Uh, when you come across very significant spaces yeah. or very important uh, uh, you know, uh, elements that maybe are, are commemorate very important events. Uh, on the other hand, when you come across places that are uh, heavily modified and maybe of a less significance, you are able to think like a designer and, mm. and recommend that maybe the intervention should come here mm. so that it doesn't disrupt the Mm. Uh, appreciation and also the experience of the historical character. Mm. Yeah, so so it's really, uh, I think being design literate and trained in design does right. help us in, uh, you know, doing this uh, heritage conservation work as well. Uh, and I, as just as uh, being trained in the, uh, you know, the, the scientific aspects as well as the uh, philosophical aspect of conservation. Wow, seems to involve many facets of disciplines and learnings. Yes, it, it does actually. It's, it's actually um, uh, in, in Europe, uh, or not just in Europe, but mm. uh, in European uh, uh, milieu, they actually approach it from a multidisciplinary angle. Mm -hmm. So there are actually uh, all kinds of people inside the team uh, in the conservation project from a a chemist, you know, to a structural engineer, mm. to a, you know, architect, to mm. geologist, geologist, mm. you know, to understand uh, the nature of uh, stone material, uh, even botanist. Right. So, right. so that was the kind of uh, training uh, I was uh, exposed to in, yeah. in, in Italy. And, and again, that, that is something, again, quite uh, eye-opening. Right. And, uh, but it really set the, set the bar for us when we came back. <laughs> Uh, to Singapore. Yeah. So was that challenging having you know that kind of exposure and you know um, these thresholds that you want to meet, and then definitely be in, be in a reality <laughs> where I suppose you know the the world of conservation is still in its probably infancy. Hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely it's challenging. Uh, because mm. we don't have any uh clear benchmark uh mm. in Singapore. Mm. Uh, set for say the conservation guidelines, right? Right. Which uh, which which actually uh, safeguard mostly uh, what the facade looks like, right? Mm. Uh, historically, mm. uh, what happens be be beyond the facade, or how do we preserve just uh, not just the brick and mortar, but also the the whole uh, uh, feel, um, mood ambiance mm. and significance and and other intangible things. Um, it's really quite a, a challenge, I would say. And, and I think also uh, we have to kind of uh, 
explain uh, what value what we can bring into the projects, why can't uh, uh, architects do what we do. Yeah. Uh, and therefore then we this, um, describe what we specialize in um, compared to what the uh, usual uh, right. design scope. Yeah, uh, I, w I was just going to ask um, about the intangible bits of mm. the uh, architectural conservation pro process because um, how would you communicate it to stakeholders? Mm, what do you mean? How, how do you get people's buy-in? You know, you might, mm. you might be recommending a certain recommendation for something, mm. for a, a heritage building that probably might be intangible or, you know, or the layman can't see it. And, and also you'll be dealing with lots of different stakeholders, right? Say your bureaucrats, your officials, and you know, maybe the architects will have a better, better understanding, you know, with their training. Mm. But say if you're dealing with a government official, you know, it's a very different feel altogether. Mm. The challenge of communicating yeah. that value. Yeah, um, actually communication is quite a fundamental aspect of our practice. We, mm. um, I mean, I always like to say that there's an undercurrent of um, advocacy in practice in what we are doing. <laughs> right. And we are not, um, we are trying to do it in, uh, in a way that is not so in your face, not like right. we go on the streets and protest or, you know, we hug yeah. the building that we don't want <laughs> you to demolish. Yeah. Not, not in yeah. that way, but, you know, we are trying to persuade you to see the building uh, the way that we do, to appreciate mm. it, its beauty, mm. its value, mm. the way that we do. Mm. So... Um, it must be quite complex, right? You need a lot of, you know, the knowledge and the training to be able to understand the kind of things that you understand. Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, and a lot to do with... this, you know, in simplicity. Yeah. It's a lot to do with storytelling, yeah. I would say. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's not good enough to just, um, you know, present a Wikipedia page kind of right, history of this right, building. Right, yeah. So our, our very first reports were very text-intensive <laughs> yeah. and yeah, we, we, technical <laughs> jargon. <laughs> yeah, we, we think they probably end up as, as, uh, as uh, doorstops. Door <laughs> <laughs> Nobody reads it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so so gradually we developed a report format that is uh, mm. visual intensive. Mm. So so um, um, if you ask our team, you will know that we are quite particular about how they take photographs of the mm. building. So and how we present the, the how text we, in the V. How yeah. we select images to showcase, you know, okay. look, this um, very special... Uh, um, a very special door with its the features, the timber mouldings, and take you know nice details. Don't take like blurred shots and yeah, a crop of the uh, corner, not supposed to crop. Yeah, yeah, right. of coloured yeah. Uh, yeah. images. So, so yeah, and and we do quite um um. So we we try to use uh, visual storytelling as well a lot in our reports. Mm. We do mappings. Mm. Uh, we show we show where you can find you know these um, special heritage elements mm. across uh, all over your building, and uh, and and we we find that different aspects of the storytelling appeals to different parties on the team. Like the mm. client like to read about, um, let's say we have a church client, they like to read about oh how the church uh, came to be. You know there was this. Um, 
old right, trees right. that, yeah, that, you yeah. know, that, mm. that brought yeah. about this uh, building in the first place. So mm. personality-driven stories mm. and how they relate to the building and oh, how this uh, person donated this floor tiles and mm. so you relate immediately the material aspect of the building to, right. to, human, to the human stories. Mm. Human interest stories. Yeah, work. human interest stories. And, mm. and for the architects, we try to um, present it in terms of design Mm. We, we say, okay, look, there's this axis, you know, how they place these doors in synchronization ah, okay. and right, there's this right. rhythm that we should respect, although it's not so clear now due to, you know, uh, insensitive A and A yeah. in the past and right. all that. Let's try to restore that. So, so mm. we present it in design terms and, and try to mm. help them along mm. to imagine what it should look like mm. and what it can, it can be when it's restored. Yeah. Yeah. So so it has uh, yeah through the years we have um, yeah. gained a lot of skills in communication. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I think the 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 visual yeah this uh, uh, I guess maybe our publication experience also uh, mm. came in quite handy from, oh, yes, from editing uh, Singapore Architect and also working on our modern past, mm. uh, where we know that. Uh, how you what message you want to convey? Uh, actually, you know, you, you, you need to do it really uh, carefully mm. and strategically. Mm. Uh, so you you can actually uh, do it uh, convey the message clearly and and with persuasion. So we we don't uh, we sometimes even work with uh, photographers to photograph the very rundown buildings. Right. Uh, and and they can capture if they can capture the soul of the building and in the pictures we we will use these images. Uh, to the advantage and mm. and use them to make uh, our uh, help in our case uh, to present to the team uh, that this mm. is worthwhile uh, to mm. restore uh, this space and uh, not to over you know uh, over modify yeah so so these are the the ends we go to actually uh, to to communicate this right. uh, to 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 do this uh, uh, advocacy uh, uh, heritage advocacy uh, on a day to day basis almost yeah. Okay, um, can you tell me a little bit more about Studio Lapis? How did the name came about? Oh, okay. <laughs> to begin, I know you come to that. <laughs> uh, well, the, our, our usual line is yeah. that it allows for a plan B. Yeah, you know, if it doesn't work the, out, yeah, we can sell year, cakes. Yeah, yeah, first oh, year doesn't work out. It's always uh, a favorite, Quay Lapis. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we actually had a few uh few uh names in mind, but uh, this this was the the favorite because it is it's actually quite meaningful uh for us, as you know, Lapis is uh. Uh, it means layers in mm. in Malay, right? Uh, mm. So so to us, uh, we really want to understand the layers of history, mm. um, in, in the heritage buildings. Um, at the same time, uh, lapis in Latin is actually uh, uh stone. One of the meaning is stone, uh, as in okay. stone of a monument, mm. right, or a precious stone. So, uh, is to acknowledge the you know the the Italian uh kind of postgraduate training. Uh, mm. and, and the kind of philosophy and the values uh, mm. that uh, it got ingrained mm. in us. Uh, yeah. mm. So so to us, it, there's this dual, dual meaning. Mm. And of course, it, it sounded quite catchy. Mm. And uh, people, you, you are right, there's say people uh, can remember uh, Kuala Lumpur quite easily. Yeah, so, so, yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, so, so it's quite, uh, that's how we decided on it. Why did you decide to set up a Kuala Lumpur? I'm sorry. Excuse <laughs> <laughs> <You see? laughs> Studio Lapis, excuse me. My bad, I apologize. No problem. <laughs> it's, a, it's my favorite cake. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 
Um, I think it really uh, started when we took part in a bit uh, project bit. Uh, it mm. was for the Victoria Concert Hall uh, mm. and Theatre uh, ANA mm. in the I think early two thousand tens. So so the requirement uh, at the time was uh, uh, you know we we were approached to team up. Mm. Uh, we were approached by architecture firm to 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 see whether we're going to team up. And one of the requirement was to uh, register. It must be a registered Register. company, right? So that that right. uh, we can't operate at freelance uh, basis anymore, right. and uh, therefore we, we we just took took the took, took the leap lah. yeah. Right. Uh, so so that that was the starting point, mm. and uh, after that uh, we we move on to other projects. Obviously, uh, we 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 were not really involved in that project. Mm. Uh, another firm called the right. commission, yeah. But you were working together already before um, the company was established or the studio was established, right? Yes, yes, we, we were, yeah. I mean, on, on our modern past, of course, uh, that was mm. the yes, know, of course. Uh, most uh, uh, long-term co- uh, collaboration. And of course, working as co-editors uh, in uh, uh, on Singapore Architect. So have you always worked together um, as partners professionally? Um... Mm. Were you were you let let me put it this way? Were you partners yeah. uh, professionally first or partners in life first? Can't really. Or they, or they were con- or they were concurrent. Yeah, it, it kind of uh, because we we were we were uh, uh in the same year right in, mm. in Aki school. And yeah, does working together on like group on projects school count? Project. Yeah, yeah. Ah, I see. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so I guess you, you can say that you know uh, working yeah, on school project first. Yeah, concurrently. Right, right, yes. right. Um, and what are the pros and cons of being partners professionally and partners in life? The setup. Hmm. I think uh, okay. I won't put it as pros and cons, but definitely it's not uh, straightforward. Uh, mm. uh, we have to be quite conscious um, whether we are giving a professional opinion or a personal opinion, mm. uh, because we can't possibly agree on every single thing, right? I mean, as individuals, uh, we do have different pos- professional position. But uh, right. once you uh, start a company and start an office and you 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 definitely have to have a, a, a clear professional direction and position uh mm. you 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 I, I suppose that that process become a, a little more mm. uh, i would say structured lah. yeah mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning it was not easy uh, mm. especially when we were collaborating more on a freelance you know freelance yeah. basis right. um where we we can get into arguments and but we we, we need to actually say that you know uh, it's is it a difference in personal uh, opinion or is right. because professionally you don't agree? So, so that's always something that we need to uh, negotiate. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think in a way it, uh, it, it forces you to look into yourself mm. and sharpen your own values and, and, and to be very clear-headed and analytical about the issue at hand. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, can you uh, share a little bit more about the a few projects um, that you have done that come to mind right now? Mm, I, I think the most, uh, I mean, probably we, we can start with uh, 
You mean ongoing projects ongoing. or completed, completed ones? ones? Completed ones. Completed yeah. ones? I would say the uh, South Beach. Yeah, yeah, that that South would be our uh, our first um, start <laughs> start to project. end yeah. project. Yeah. South Beach. Yeah. Yes, yes, and and uh, it was uh, a really a uh, very fortunate uh, that we we got a uh, commission for the work. Um, Which year it, was this South Beach? This was two thousand nine. Um, okay. In fact, it was uh, before that it. it it started actually in 2007, but we were not involved yet. And mm. it was a period where 2008 was shelved for a year. Mm. So when it was revived, uh, the client decided to, or were advised by the architects, uh, aiders to engage mm. a heritage consultant mm. uh, to assist with uh, getting some of the uh, approvals for conservation proposals. Mm. Yeah. And it, 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 it was a good project to start off mm. with because the building scale uh are probably manageable mm. and uh, for a two person setup mm. at a time mm. um and uh it also got us uh because uh, the NCO club right the old NCO mm. club is a 1950s mm. structure and we're already familiar with somewhat familiar with it as well as mm. the drill hall next door right now uh, mm. the SSVF drill hall uh, mm. through our modern past uh, research project right, right so we could actually bring in uh, our background, uh, our 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 knowledge of these two buildings, mm. and it allow us to be immersed in the mm. environment quite quickly. Mm. Yeah, it was also a, a I think very important uh, process of understanding how a large commercial project of this scale worked. Uh, mm. in terms of the clients' prerogatives, right, and also working with uh large architecture firms. Mm. Like Aders and and mm. Foster and Partners, you know, mm. who who were the uh, design architect, mm. um, to kind of see how to balance different interests, mm. uh, when we are making our recommendations to the team, right? Yeah, so so it was a really a, a important uh, I would say training ground for us, and uh, it is also one of our longest project because it only completed in two thousand fifteen. Uh, mm. it's almost seven years, you know, in total. Mm. Uh, so so we really learned uh, a lot through that, uh, and not just uh how to apply, uh, the skill and knowledge, uh, you know, you learn through theory in the post grad course, yeah. but also learning how to navigate the different interests and also, I guess, uh, play a a constructive role in in moving the project forward, nah, especially the conservation aspects of it. Mm. Yeah. Right. And of course, uh, midway through, we, we got to work on uh, you know, the Capitol, which was another uh, mm. important project because mm. uh, it's Singapore's only Art Deco cinema. Uh, that's, oh, uh, it is? Yes. Uh, I mean, that's still standing, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we used to have much um, more, more of this, but uh, sadly, they, they are all, all gone except for this this one, the pre war one. I love, uh, the, I love the cinema when it was. You know the old cinema. I can yeah, remember yeah, it. it. Yes, yes. So, so, so that was really fun. Uh, because mm. uh, uh, it's very rare that you are a guideline say you must preserve the use as a cultural performance venue. So mm. that's kind of set mm. a tone for the restoration uh, conservation approach. Is it? Mm. Let's go all out and uh, discover what's there. What's what's uh, mm. originally it, it it looks like and whether or not 
you know, we, we can still uh, resuscitate its uh, Art Deco interiors. So, so we were quite thrilled when they peel away all the, uh, uh, this acoustic lining on the walls and they found that all the mouldings were, were by and large intact. Uh, and oh, wow. can be restored. Yeah. So so it was actually uh, 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 I would say one of the uh, high points uh, I would say in, in uh, early in our our career. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To, and it's definitely very satisfying to see it being used as a multi. Uh, you know. Uh, this. Uh, it's now a multifunctional venue, right? It, 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 mm. uh, they introduce this floor system that uh, allows the chairs to disappear. And they become a flat surface, so you can put dining tables in. Mm. Yeah. So so that that was uh our next uh project of uh you know, that was really quite uh, uh I would say a long lasting, uh to us uh, Yeah. How long did the capital project um take? Oh, it's also quite long. It's uh five about five years. Yeah, most most of these uh large commercial project they because they are so complex and mm. because uh there are a lot of change of use so the A and A work, uh approval process uh, really take a long time uh and also construction wise uh because conservation work is actually if you do it want to do it properly, mm. uh is quite painstaking, mm. uh and and that also takes time to to complete yeah. Mm. So so I would say these two are kind of our. Um, right. important uh, 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 starting projects that really gave us a lot uh, of uh, experience to tackle uh, a range of I mean, projects later on like uh, the uh, Good Shepherd mm. Cathedral mm. Um, which again uh, uh, we call it the textbook case of uh, all the bad things that can happen to a building uh, so, so that building actually had uh, serious structural issues um, something that we have not encountered, uh, oh, you know, right. uh, you, uh, you usually don't encounter that. Um, Why is and, that? Uh, uh, oh, the, because uh, there are some tunneling works in, in uh, proximity ah. when they're building the MRT line, uh, you know, the museum okay. station and SMU was also right, constructed right, right. in the vicinity. So okay. uh, uh, the building kind of cracked up uh, in, in a few pieces. Oh. And uh, uh, had to be uh, had to undergo emergency rescue uh, actually, right. uh, and and uh, it was quite uh, again uh, <laughs> uh, important project. It taught us a lot, especially on the technical issues of uh, dealing with such buildings. Right. Uh, it's also much older uh, mm. building uh, because it's from the nineteenth century, right? No, yes, um, correct. Eighteen or nineteen? Nineteenth century. Yeah, it's uh, eighteen forty-seven. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's much much older than uh, Capitol and uh, you know the buildings at South and Beach. And South Beach, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So so that gave us again the technical uh, experience uh, dealing with nineteenth uh, century buildings, and mm. uh, and then we we had the good fortune again to to work on uh, similar nineteenth century buildings later on because mm. of this uh, project experience. Yeah. yeah, like the Raffles Hotel, right. uh, even uh, overseas projects like the uh, mm. Peninsula Yangon project, mm. Um, mm. which we also have, you know. Uh, so, so we learned that uh, different builders in different era, uh, mm. they, they try to build the best uh, way they know how to. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as inheritors of these uh, buildings yep. now, uh, we have to find ways to maintain and again uh, prolong their lifespan 
so that they can be more, uh, you know, they can actually uh, uh, still survive into the future, uh, to future generations, right? Yeah. Password so, so is sustainability, isn't it? Yes, yes, <laughs> very much that. Uh, sustainability and, and inher- inheritance, I would say, this is mm. really uh, at the core of what mm. we try to do in the project. Yeah. But it's so fascinating when you were talking about the Cathedral of uh, Good mm. Shepherd, about how you know, modern infrastructure, mm. while they were building it, can affect you know, existing heritage buildings. Mm. Mm. And how you know, urban planners have to think about that. It's, it's yes. In fact, I think uh, experiences like this uh, definitely, mm. I would say it probably uh, made the authorities uh, mm. a bit more aware uh, mm. because uh, later on, Mm. Uh, when uh, the circle line, you know, the last stage of circle line, stage mm. six of it, yep. uh, was commissioned, uh, the line is supposed to go underneath uh, a number of uh, historical buildings, including the Tanjong Paka railway station. Right. Uh, they had actually introduced a heritage impact assessment brief within the development project. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so, so the uh, uh, consultant actually need to uh, again get... Uh, uh, a study done on what's the possible impact. Uh, so, so certain uh, vulnerability of the historical structure can be identified upstream mm. and maybe the design can be tweaked to address that or mm. to sidestep, uh, you know, uh, maybe not go so near the building or uh, if it's unavoidable, yeah. how to strengthen the building temporarily while the infrastructure work is being carried out. So definitely that, that this mm. kind of uh, mm. experience uh, does help to uh, raise awareness and also uh, uh, include uh, you know a, a bit be, be on at least they are they are on the radar you know uh, yeah. uh, on of the uh, the planners yeah. What's the experience like for you working over uh, overseas for you know overseas projects? Uh, the, you know you're dealing with different cultures, different history, different environment. Well, I think. Uh, once, uh, one big thing we realized uh, is a very great responsibility uh, mm. because we are dealing with heritage that, are, strictly speaking, don't belong to, to, to us, you know. I mean, mm. uh, not, it's not Singaporean heritage. Mm. Uh, and, and that is actually a very important thing for us because uh, we know that uh, we have to even try harder to uh, understand and mm. establish the significance of the building, mm. so that we do not, you know, we can give the best, uh, you know, possible advice, uh, regarding the, you know, the development or or the, uh, alterations uh, that are proposed, mm. uh, for the building, um, and and different countries have different jurisdiction. I mean, different heritage laws, uh, and and Singapore, I would say, uh, amongst uh many Asian countries has the, I, I suppose, the most established heritage laws uh, for, for uh, built, built environment, right? Oh, uh, that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> and, and being very, very uh, used to that uh, uh, makes us a little unsure. I, I would say we have to kind of uh, change the way we think when we work on overseas project because mm. overseas is not like that at all. Mm. Yeah. It, it's almost uh, quite... Uh, Free, 
freely uh, it's quite ambiguous what you can or cannot do mm. uh, uh, you know uh, whether reconstruction tearing down something and reconstructing it uh, is acceptable you know it, this kind of thing is not right. clearly spelled out right. right so definitely we have to deal with a lot more uncertainty in terms of the legislation and in the certain sense it, because we feel quite responsible for mm. you know doing the right thing mm. uh, we tend to uh, try to cover a lot more, <laughs> try to understand it a lot more, like I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that we try to do is to engage a local historian. Mm. Yeah, so that we can, um, partly because they can assess local sources um, mm. written in their uh, respective uh, vernacular languages, right. but also because they would have a much more nuanced understanding yes. of, of the, of not just the built heritage, but how the people perceive or value these buildings. Mm. Right, that's yeah. also very important, right? Yeah. You, don't want, yes. you don't want unnecessary backlash. Yes. And, and I think we want to be able to understand and respond to mm. how much they treasure or value these buildings. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, uh, uh, just uh, to give you an example, working yeah. on the Yangon project, mm. uh, we, uh, it's a very interesting... Uh, a, a, a situation already challenging situation because uh, as you know the colonial uh, heritage over there mm. is still something not so resolved right mm. uh, and, and you know the process of colonization in Burma was yeah. uh, nowhere you know as, as, uh, as you know yeah. smooth or as peaceful smooth. In, in, yeah. in yeah. Singapore they experienced it was quite, a very uh, aggressive uh, yeah, colonization, colonization. Yeah. so so we found out actually uh, through meeting even the authorities that they have ambivalence towards the buildings, mm. <laughs> which mm. they have to regard as the heritage. But yeah. I think with uh, a, a historical baggage, they probably uh, you know, uh, yeah. uh, look okay. at it in a different way. right? right. Uh, so, so we can't really assume that oh, everybody takes the colonial heritage as part of really, yeah. already recognized and, and has reconciled with it. Mm. Right. So, so, so it, it, it starts to help us to rethink uh, what, is the, what is the boundaries and what is the parameters that we are operating within, you know, in terms mm. of the, uh, giving advice or, or, or uh, proposing certain interventions and things like that. Yeah. Mm. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. What, is, what would be your ideal project to work on? Or is that too abstract a question? <laughs> I would say the ideal project. I mean, actually, it's, it's a kind of a... Oh, what would you want to... At this point, what would you like to work on? The restoration of Hoppa Villa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's a good Has one. Has it yeah. ever been restored? Uh, a few times, if okay. you call, uh, call right. those... It's, it's not uh, a thorough one, right? <laughs> no, no, it, it's, it's more of a repainting job. Uh, I mean, the right. recent one, they went through uh, a round of emergency... Mm. Uh, restoration, uh, repair to some really uh, uh some a number of a, a small number of structures that were very seriously uh you know, dilapidated. Mm. Uh, but so far um there hasn't been a concerted approach. I mean a concerted effort lah. Uh, well, the main reason is that it's not uh gazetted yet. Yeah, it's not protected mm. legally, so it's okay. kind of hard to marshal resources. I suppose uh amongst the uh stakeholders, especially the. Right. the uh, agencies right. um, and to, to, to dedicate the resources and, and to 
look at different terms of reference if it was not just a tourist attraction but a heritage site. Yeah. Right. That was one of our uh, few non-building projects. So, um, so we were commissioned by NHB to carry out a heritage survey, mm. uh, the state of conservation, the, 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 the condition itself and... Um, Essentially, it's a, it's a, it's an auditing mm. of what is there left. Yeah. Is in it Singapore worth or what is Hopa there Villa? left in Hopa Villa? Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, so because that was one of our most uh, intensive project yeah. in a in a in a strange way. Although it doesn't involve climbing scaffolds, going to construction sites, yeah. or arguing with uh, other right. consultants, right. because of its. Uh, sure complexity and, yeah. and, and the complicated history of the park itself. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You said it and, was and, intensive. Uh, we, what we, you... we, we have a long-standing fascination after the project. Uh, we even ah. tried to uh, develop an art installation for the, for the ben, uh, Venice Biennale, uh, mm. which just ended in, 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 right. in, right. in Italy, uh, okay. which was actually inspired by this uh, uh, conservation study. Uh, we work with two very talented uh, artists, Jerome Ng and uh, Eugene Tan, uh, who's yeah. a Lego artist. Jerome Ng is a digital creative, mm. and we asked them. We 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 set the, uh, you know, challenge for them to reinterpret the uh, the missing fragments of Hopa Villa, uh, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> in in their own, uh, you know, in the in their medium, you know, in Lego and also in this uh, yeah. uh, paper card sculpture. Right. Right. Uh, um, Colin, you said that you are very interested to work on Hapa Villa. Is that Hapa Villa? Is there a particular? Are there particular reasons? What fascinated you so much? When we were um, carrying our research on on the park itself, um, the there there were many um, issues mm. that we faced because it wasn't um, in a way it wasn't. Um, Defined as you know, a mainstream kind of a, um, heritage with a capital H. Mm. Mm. Yeah, in fact, there's a lot of misunderstanding that you know, Hopa Villa is, is just about the hell. Um, yeah, ten cause of hell. Pet, yeah, the hell dioramas and mm. so. Mm. But it's it's actually the the um, a physical manifestation of a very rich uh, oral uh, storytelling tradition, mm. and mm. and. Uh, about a period of um, of mass media, mass communication, uh, old movies, and mm. you know, um, radio storytelling. Mm. So a lot of these um, um, informal histories were were lost, right. and so in uncovering, like we w- we were actually documenting uh, not just the physical structures like the arches, but also the dioramas, yeah. mm. trying to understand the symbolisms trying to understand uh, where these stories came from. So some of them were traceable. But some of them, because of the way that they were shifted around, broken up, you know, there was a scene of um, where there are many Spiders sea creatures. So, so they were broken up and some prawns stranded here, crabs stranded there. So <laughs> yeah, it became quite incoherent, actually, uh, if you look at it today. Okay. Yeah. You have not yeah, been there for a long time, so yeah. should make yeah. a visit. Yeah, because uh, so so you can imagine uh, from from uh, very interesting uh, multifaceted stories as now mm. uh, largely you know you have to really put in a, a lot of effort to really try to understand mm. what is the 
the you know the 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 stories and the uh this uh the, the, because it's actually a diorama that try to inculcate some virtues right some moral right. Yeah. ethics uh in the yeah. post war years yeah uh, but today it's very much submerged you know uh, mm. uh beneath the the quite garish uh <laughs> looking thing <laughs> yeah yeah, yes. yeah. but mm. it could I be think... it could be a very rich um destination not just mm. for tourists yeah yeah, exactly. I, I think the, the strongest resonance will actually be for the locals. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because it's very eclectic. It's, it's, mm. non, you know, it's not saying uh, just uh, Chinese or anything because uh, even the All Brothers, they were Bur mm. Burmese Chinese, right? Mm. And a lot of the elements, if you look at it very closely, they, they are actually depicting a multiracial or multi-ethnic society in, in post-war Singapore. You can see the, mm. the uh, you know, the, the policemen, the the you know the the cabaret cabaret girls you know and and yeah. all these uh other interesting yeah. uh characters yeah. uh which tries to uh, uh flesh out you know what's the world view of of the uh, builders of the park yeah. i guess it doesn't help that there's a lot of uh, political incorrectness about the, <laughs> a lot of the depictions you know like the naked nymphs uh, yeah. frolicking in the water and yeah, the at one point at, yeah at one point they so like offended religious organizations that they had to paint bikinis over them. Yeah, they have to dress up the the news. Yeah, and and we found that out uh, while studying the old historical records. It, it, they re look really different, you know, <laughs> in the past compared to what we see today. Well, we have to try and tell them that this is you know Asian uh, mene <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the unfortunate thing about Hopa Villa, I think, is that in the in the past few rounds of uh, major redevelopments, mm. like mm. whether it's uh, converting it into a theme park, into a, mm. a, a, a centre for overseas Chinese, um, and so mm. on and so forth, I think it's people imposing mm. um, their stories onto the park rather than trying to listen to and and to mm. appreciate what the park's own stories are. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, that's the missed opportunity there, definitely. It could be that many people here have different um, impressions of the park. Different impression, different agenda, la, I would say. And different biases. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. Is that, is some that people any, who, who is feel that, any, that it's not even heritage. Is there any way that that can there can be some advocacy, you know, towards um, restoring this park? Um, actually, there is. Uh, I think currently, uh, or rather a, a few months ago. Um, there has been advocacy yeah. on and off from different yeah. um, even NGOs and, mm. and, and the public even writing in. But I think the problem is that there's no... Uh, it's, it's like it's like nobody's baby. <laughs> mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. No one has taken ownership of yes. that drive. Yeah. Mm. Yes, but I I'm so I suppose there are many buildings in Singapore that needs to be conserved too. Yes, definitely. I mean, now that we now that we're moving beyond the colonial heritage, definitely mm. the. The post-independence, uh, you know, mm. uh, era is uh, the the next frontier. Mm. Um, so I mean, we 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 also uh, started uh, uh, Dongkomo Singapore mm. uh, with a few like-minded uh, friends mm -hmm. uh, last year. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, actually a few years ago, but last year we got uh, formally established mm. uh, to to actually uh, champion this this area of heritage, mm. uh, which are uh, actually more threatened. So, so in a certain mm. sense, I feel, I, I think it is again uh, 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 one one full round, you know, from doing research for our modern past to mm. working on. Uh, projects that deal with modern architecture, conservation mm. and adaptive reuse mm. to now um, you know forming this group to, to advocate for 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 their for their yeah. appreciation and, and uh, conservation. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's always challenging. I remember um, even when you know people were advocating for preserving colonial buildings, there mm. was also a there were also a lot of challenges. So, you know, with with the passage of time, we are now, mm. you know, facing another set of challenges, right? With an yes. another, uh, uh, with buildings from another era. So as we mm. move along, there will always be that challenge when it comes to conservation. Yes. Yeah, I think I think each generation will have to kind of, uh, will have their own challenges set up for them. Uh, just yes. as William Lim's generation, they were mm. the really... Uh, behind uh, getting the conservation movement mm. off the ground, right? Talking mm. about shop house heritage mm. and mm. and forty years on, I think you know nobody would disagree when they say actually shop houses make a lot of uh, uh, yes. shop house conservation yeah. make a lot of economic sense because now yes. they are so unaffordable. <laughs> like, yes, they are. Uh, yeah, I would I mean, love day, to I just have a Peranakan yeah. house. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, and and yeah. and hopefully you know uh if, with the uh with such hindsight. Uh, you know, uh, we can persuade uh, stakeholders and developers that uh, likewise, uh, just as there were skeptics uh, out there 30 yes. years ago, yeah. uh, a, few, a, a brave few who, who ventured out and, right. and kind of took the lead are now, you know, uh, uh, reaping the rewards. <laughs> of, are you, of, are uh, you getting positive vibes about that? Um, with, with, the, with the benefit of hindsight? I think we from the younger generation, younger generation yes. I would say. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Younger. So it's really a generational yeah. thing. So so you have younger generation that are actually appreciative of your seventies, eighties, mm. um HDB neighborhoods, for example. Mm. 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 But but for people say like ten, fifteen, twenty years older they would say, you know, these are just uh, mm. functional, nondescript utilitarian. And utilitarian yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, so I, th- I think the interesting thing that history teaches us is, is really that there are cycles of these kinds of issues. Mm. Uh, and and uh, it's, of, of course, not in a straight line, you know, how things mm. evolve. Um, mm. So in a sense, uh, the success of the early conservation uh, movement uh, give us some uh, direction and some optimism like that. Uh, we just have to really think what would work for this particular building stock right. given their different characteristics different challenges uh, different real estate value and, and things and, and different people's uh, uh, pe- how people uh, perceive them right? mm. uh, so, so the, it, it kind of uh, uh, provide a bit of I would say uh, optimism <laughs> that you know uh, of course we are not the only ones doing this uh, advocacy work there are also mm. uh, many other people in their own capacity uh, right. doing it in different ways so we feel that is uh, a good thing that uh, we can get some momentum going so that there is a critical mass 
uh, to really try to make a difference. Right. Um, yeah. Two last questions. I don't want to hold up too much of your time. I've already hold, held you guys back for more than an hour already. Um, what do you uh, foresee for Studio Lapis in five and ten years? Actually, even thus far, we have been like feeling our way forward. <laughs> yeah, we, we are both not on, we are not the entrepreneur type, to be very honest. Uh, <laughs> we, we didn't. We really, don't have ten year plan. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we actually. Uh, I, I would say we we would like to still very much continue doing the work we are doing now, mm. and but uh, with maybe a more uh, enlightened, uh, you know. Uh, uh, audience um, or even uh, I would say that uh, the next few years uh, the variety of work probably uh, will will grow you know as mm. you as you know uh, the heritage impact assessments and, and things like that mm. uh, things that uh, people have championed for many years uh, it's going to be formally uh, you know uh, introduced in, in, in important projects and that's great. Uh, in, in, in a sense, we, 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 we can see the heritage uh, field and industry is, is uh, you know, expanding. And uh, that there's definitely uh, opportunities there. Uh, mm. We also see that uh, uh, because uh, NUS has started a local conservation course, mm. uh, it will start producing graduates. Uh, and, and once that, that reach a, a certain critical mass of graduates, uh, there'll probably be uh, other outfits. Uh, uh, I don't know whether they will be modeled, you know, uh, along the same lines as Studio Lapis, but definitely there will be more heritage consultants in mm. the in the field, uh, right? Mm. Which is, I guess, normal mm. uh, in in any healthy, you know, uh, right. natural uh, 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 industry, mm. right? Because you you can't do all the work, uh, mm. but definitely you you want to make sure that uh, given the Heritage resources are very limited. You want to make sure that the projects are of a certain quality mm -hmm. so that it doesn't, you know, a, a botch job in heritage uh, conservation actually uh, it, it can re means that a lot of things are irreversibly lost, right? Mm. Uh, the stakes are high, right? Mm. Uh, so we, we like to see uh, more quality work, uh, you know, even if there are more players in the field. Uh, it's similarly with, with you know, uh, 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 conservation contractors, you know. Uh, right. Uh, you know, in, in Italy, it's not just really about conservation architects, but mm. it's a whole industry of craftsmen, mm. guilds, mm. Um, contractors, and, mm. and patrons and owners uh, of heritage properties who know and uh, acknowledge the significance of uh, and the responsibility of, of, of owning uh, historical properties and to really uh, able to... Uh, maintain them properly right, uh, for the right. future generations. Yeah. So I would say probably Studio Lapis will have to work within uh, this kind of uh, different uh, scenario in the, in the few years down the road. Yeah. Okay, got it. Anything yeah. to add, Carlin? Hmm. I think rather, rather than a vision of what we will become, we, mm. we, we are hoping that the, the, the ecology Mm. conservation mm. market or you know the networks the practitioners the builders I mean this will we are hoping that it will it will thrive mm. develop become more diversified 
So as it is now, it's already um, tough to to find builders who are interested in heritage work mm. or who have the capabilities or interest to develop these skills, mm. Right. So mm. so, and it's uh, it's also an an uh, aging uh, labor force, mm. skilled yes. labor force in a yeah. way. So we are also yeah. hoping that you know there will be more uh, young people coming mm. into this aspect mm. of, of the heritage yeah. industry. To have an interest. Yeah, because, you know, yeah. even like skilled carpenters mm. to restore. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. One, one thing that I, I absolutely agree because uh, one thing that really struck me when uh, uh, I was in Italy was uh, I spoke with this very young uh, mural art conservator. I think she, she looks like she's just out of high school mm. and maybe <laughs> had a few years of practical training. Yeah. Uh, in her mid twenties, uh, and she was really doing a one square uh, less one square foot a day, you know, of mm. restoration, mm. and she has one whole ceiling to finish, wow. and she's very patiently doing it, and she's so uh, dedicated, and yeah. when also we found out that actually uh, uh artisans uh conservator artisans mm. pay mm. is no is so many times higher than. Uh, what we you know the unskilled workers <laughs> are mm. getting mm. in Singapore, you know. Mm. So that there are uh you know like Colin mentioned the ecology that should engender a condition that people feel that is worthwhile uh, yeah. because you can make a livelihood out of it. Yeah. Right. Uh, mm. it's not something that people you know you you have this very famous uh, uh thing that people like to uh, say that if you don't study hard you end up as a you know, such and such profession. Yeah. Yep. You know, mm. uh, I think it's time to really uh, remove the stigma from mm. working with your hands, right? Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, as long as, I think, it's, it's like it's like you, you are working in a restaurant, right? I think there's something yeah. reformative when you restore a building from a dilapidated state yep. to, you know, it's, it's a formal, you know, or to a very livable condition yep. of even very attractive uh, state that actually can inspire maybe pride in the community. I think there's something reformative and quite uh, existential about this process. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Last but not least, what do you do for fun out of work? <laughs> Play with our kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of transport us to another planet. Yeah, it's, it's a totally different uh, thing. <laughs> Okay. okay, that's great. Yeah. Thank you both so much. Yeah. Thank no, you. Yeah, not at Thank all. You. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for the chat. Yeah. Nice thanks talking the, to you. Nice talking to you. I hope to meet you in person soon. Let yeah, me know yeah, when do it's drop clear. by the office. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll like to let me note. know yeah. when the coast is clear. Okay. Sure. Okay. Sure. Thank right. you. Yeah, Have yeah, a great weekend, Wing Hin and Khalid. Thank you. You, you too. too. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Studio SML podcast. To hear the stories of more Singaporean architects and designers, head to www.studiosml.net, where you can find out more about Studio SML as well as all our podcast episodes.